0: Hello, and welcome
1: to another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. Today's guest is Christina McDonald, a geotechnical project manager at Keller in Akron, Ohio. We're going to be talking about the work that she's doing there and also with an organization called NAWIC to provide opportunities for women to work in construction and to also provide opportunities for the field of construction to just be more inclusive. We're going to talk about some of the mentoring opportunities that she's been a part of, some of those initiatives, and we're also going to talk about some of the work she's been doing to increase the number of STEAM professionals, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics to be successful in construction. So we're going to cover a lot of ground, really focusing in on construction and the state of construction and construction culture and how we can improve that. This is not an episode you want to miss. I'm your host, Jared Green, and this is the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. And with that, let's get right into today's episode.
0: Before we go on here, I would like to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Menard USA. Do you have projects where you are faced with building on soft or loose ground? Does it seem like all the good sites are taken and you're always building on poor soils that are a challenge for conventional foundation approaches? Menard may be able to help. As a specialty ground improvement contractor, Menard works nationally and internationally providing design-build ground improvement solutions at sites with problematic soils. Typical projects include warehouses, buildings, material storage piles, embankments, roadways, port facilities, storage tanks, platforms, and more. In many cases, ground improvement is less costly than traditional approaches such as removal and replacement or piling systems. Menard works closely with civil, structural, and geotechnical engineers to minimize foundation costs for wide ranges of soil conditions, structure types, and loading conditions. To learn more about Menard USA or for help on your next project, please visit www.menardusa.com. That's www.menardusa.com.
1: Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
2: Good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I was looking forward to having you on the show, Christina, and kind of hear more about your story. So thank you for carving out some time for us. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Can you share a little bit about your journey? I understand you started by studying geology engineering, right? Yeah. Okay. So you studied that at the University of Akron, and now you're a geotechnical project manager at Keller in Cleveland, Ohio. Tell us a little bit more about that journey and also what inspired you to pursue this career path?
2: I went to college. I really did not know what I was going to kind of do and what career path I was going to have. I went with what was familiar and what I enjoy, which is being outdoors, traveling, hiking. So I started with the geology route, obviously like thoroughly enjoyed that. But I wanted to add something a little bit more to make me a little more competitive in the marketplace um, while getting a job. So tagged and made it like a dual major. So it was geology engineering. So it was kind of a half civil and half geology degree. So that was really cool. It transitioned me when I graduated into the oil and gas industry. So that was kind of like a wild culture shock right out of college. Really cool experience. I was there for probably a year and a half, did a lot of drilling. I was on the, I lived on the oil rigs, and then did a little bit of geo steering, uh, but also set the All the fracking side of it as well but that opportunity um, led me to the construction industry because of that drilling experience there was a local uh, general contractor that um, was in need of a geologist on their project so that's kind of how i transitioned into the industry so it's been a huge uh, passion for me i enjoy all the people and i enjoy creating awareness in the industry because it's not something i ever knew i was going to get into and so I kind of like fell into it, I guess. So that's how I transitioned to Keller. I stayed the geotechnical path.
1: Awesome. Is there anybody that inspired you to to pursue the path that you truly, I mean, you say you fell into it, but did you see anybody that did this before or are you really just like, hey, I'm here?
2: I really didn't, but as I was getting into it, I was exposed to it more. I followed a lot on LinkedIn and social media and did some more research. So I just like enjoy the diversity of the construction industry, but especially the geotechnical side of it.
1: When I look at your career, you're not just a successful professional, but you're also a devoted mother. So how do you manage the demands of your career while also being a mom? Two young daughters, right?
2: Yeah, I have two girls, a two-year-old and a three-year-old. It definitely presents the, their challenges there, right? It's just a balancing act. You know, what you know, being a mother and also in construction. It's a wild ride. So both jobs are hard. It's no joke. I became a mother during the pandemic. So another weird time, right? So blessing and a curse, right? Uh, So we had my maternity leave that transitioned right to working from home. So I got a little extended uh, maternity leave, I guess you could say, which I enjoyed of course, but it definitely opened the door to that more flexible work-life balance um, and such. So
1: we got teens at home. So that's a whole nother experience. But uh, yeah, do you have any tips for working parents in a construction industry? I mean, what are some, because I know we start early and I like, how's that work? Like any tips?
2: There's challenges. I don't know if I have tips, like it's challenging every day. Like, you know, we don't work the typical nine to five jobs, right? So this morning, my daughter, both daughters are sick. You know, they're clinging on to me, they're screaming, they're crying and A good tip is having a supportive um, partner, right, at home that can uh, help balance that, right? So my husband's at home today and uh, helping to take care of the children. So to meet the demands of our industry, which is, it's demanding, right? It takes a lot of dedication. There's a lot of time that you're away from home. Being able to have a good support system and also having uh, an employer that can support that work-life balance is paramount for the industry.
1: You're absolutely right. After the pandemic, or actually during the pandemic, and now we're on that other side of the pandemic, right? It's, um, you know, we do talk a lot more about wellness and well-being and work-life balance. People have been asking for that for a very long time. We're now at the part where we're considering it and trying it. But no, it's it's important because as it's, it's parents, it's, it's you have to be at a job site at 7 o'clock and daycare doesn't open until, how do you do
2: that? So you're starting the day with the challenge, right? Open until <laughs> 7, right? How do you do it? I don't have all the answers, but I could present the problems. Right. And so we could work towards making it more sustainable for those women to come into the industry and understand how to tackle those challenges. And I think I got stuck on once I had children is like the time, like your time is how you manage your time. You know, they're my priority. Everything changed when I became a mother. Now I only have two hours a day with them. It's by the time I get home to by the time they go to bed, there's two hours a day. That's all you get with them. So time is important and being able to, again, have a supportive work-life balance is just critical for I feel like people's mental health and for their families.
1: I I understand you also have a passion for mentoring young engineers and STEM students, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. What motivates you to be a mentor and how do you approach mentoring to make it a lasting impact for those individuals careers, like what are some of the things you're doing?
2: I think it's the most rewarding part of, you know, besides the work being put in place is just mentoring those students coming out of high school or college and seeing them succeed and like developing that confidence, whether it's in the office or on a job site is just so rewarding. I enjoy going to the career fairs every year and seeing the students And seeing, you know, what companies they're working for, what projects they're on. And it's an exciting time and especially exciting time to get into the industry. Right. You know, there's so many opportunities. So just seeing them succeed, uh, seeing my um, co-ops that I've had in the past, like be recognized for achievements in their career is exciting as well. So it's a great time to get into the industry. And I like supporting and mentoring those individuals as well through that process.
1: So NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction, that's an important organization in your life, for what I want to understand. Can you elaborate more about the mission and also how they're advocating or how you all are advocating for professionals in the
2: construction industry? So the National Association of Women in Construction, NAWIC, I'm part of the Akron chapter. So chapter 124, and I'm the oncoming president this year. Really, it's just a professional organization that helps support women in the workplace. It facilitates leadership training. We do a lot of professional development, a lot of educational opportunities. Uh, We partner with other local organizations and just really strengthen and amplify the success of women and making the industry a more safer, or a more productive place to work by providing that support and that network for the industry, so...
1: And when you think of the members, is it mostly women in the trades? Is it women in consulting? Is it specialty, because con- you're a your special contractor, like who is there?
2: So our group is small. I mean, one of the main goals that I have is to grow our Akron group, but we have a little bit of everybody. We have um, a couple architects. We have engineers, project managers. We have uh, people in the accounting side as well and the administration side. We got a pretty good, diverse, wide range of people in our group. But I also like including men in our conversations or if we have any like big events or speakers because they're just as much part of the conversation, too.
1: I agree. Allyship is key, so I'm going to look in and see what it, you all are doing, see if there's a way we can contribute. And so now you're the president, right? You're the president. What are some of the initiatives or the goals that you have for the organization? Especially we talk about promoting diversity and inclusion in the construction field.
2: I think I have a lot of goals. Number one is trying to grow our group, right? So we can do more. Another goal is doing more outreach. And so whether that's high school, middle school, in the local colleges supporting them, we give a trade scholarship and a, a college scholarship every year to two individuals. So, you know, just networking and creating the advocacy, but advocacy with action, right? And just supporting our industry and our uh, members as much as I can, and trying to make it an organization that they want to come to. Everybody's time is valuable, like I said, right? So we're going through the process of doing the strategic planning for this year, doing that community service, doing the job site tours, getting those speakers that can um, relate to our members, and making it so it's like impactful and not just a whining or bitch session with a at a bar. You know, I want it to be a valuable time for everybody.
1: You're making changes that will have lasting impacts, not just for now, but generations to come. So that's really powerful. So congratulations, be the president. Thank you. Now, when you look at the construction industry, what types of changes are you seeing as it relates to inclusivity and providing more opportunities for female professionals? And also, what are some actions you think that the industry should be taking to welcome more people and also make it more equitable what are your thoughts there
2: i guess i'll highlight too with that Newick and in tying with this question is this past summer i organized and produced uh, a fashion shows a construction safety workwear fashion show so a lot of our local industry companies helped support the event we had models we had 30 or so models that representation from each different company um, different sectors of the industry as well And that really just highlighted creating that culture of inclusivity with workwear for females with like the safety vest, having women's vest, having a hard hat that's for women, providing the boots and just really highlighting the brands that are stepping up and creating the attire, I guess, for women in the workplace. And so... You know, I just started at Keller right off the bat. And maybe it's because I did the fashion show. You know, they had the women's workwear best for me. They had the hard hat and all those things. So it just makes you feel included, makes you feel more welcome. So some initiatives in my past that I've seen with companies that have, you know, impressed me or to help retain and attract talent. It starts from the onboarding process. When you get and show up to work, like making sure you have the tools to to succeed, right? It's the training that they give you the investment that they make in you and your professional development? Do they give you all the, you know, safety training? Is there a safety focus? I can tell you, I don't want to work for a company if there's not a good safety culture and there's not a good, and most people want it, right? So to be able to attract and retain those people, the people that are investing in the training up front, like it's obvious and you can tell who's set up for success in the future.
1: That's so true. I mean, when you think about construction, construction is definitely, if not, is one of the most dangerous fields of practice, right? And if you say that, okay, I want you to, to work here. And if you don't have a safety culture that there's nothing attractive about that.
2: I didn't even know there was, you know, harnesses that are made just specifically for women, right? So it's a lot of it is just educating people because of the ignorance and it's not, they just might not know. I don't even know when I'm a female, right?
1: Good part of the culture is when something's brought to light, you say, "All right, well, let's look into this and let's do something." Like I can remember, I had staff that you know, females. It got to the point where I think my group was like more than fifty percent female, and they're like, "What's going on with these safety vests?" I didn't even think about it, right? And I'm looking, I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 that doesn't make any sense." (laughs) So you have to make the investment. You do the research, you make the investment, and make sure that you have. I mean, this is personal protective equipment, right? So we're not even talking about just style. It's like you may not be protecting people appropriately if things don't fit the way they're supposed to fit. So that's cool that you did the fashion show. You think that's going to be an annual thing or? That's...
2: I don't know what we'll do. We'll definitely probably try to do. I don't know if we're going to do it as big. We had we pray. We had over 200 people attend. It was well attended and well received. People are really excited to do it again. I don't know what's in store yet. We're uh, still trying to figure that out.
1: Outreach and education. These are also important aspects if we want to change the negative narratives that are surrounding the construction industry. What are some of the things that you're doing from an outreach standpoint and also an initiative standpoint this folks saying on those that are coming into the industry? Like, I think you're looking at things that are middle school and high school, but what are some of the things you're doing there?
2: Any opportunity I can get to get into like middle schools or high schools and have those early conversations with um, those students, I think are critical. And I try to make time for that because I participated in Girl Up. I've participated in block kids, I'm trying any like wood or construction classes, uh, just to create that conversation and open up a dialogue. And I think it's especially important to have a female go there as well so that the women can see what they can be, right? So anytime I can get into those schools, I do. Because construction's vital. Our world revolves around construction. And it does. It has a negative narrative to it that I think is so huge that I think we need to change. And that's part of the goal of NAWIC and my presidency. Like, I really want to change that narrative because when you think of construction, what do you think of? Like a construction worker, you think of middle aged white guy, dirty. And that's not the case, right? That's not the case at all. But, you know, so changing that narrative and that stereotype and like showing them what the opportunities are available and what their careers could look like and that you don't have to go to school. You can go to college or the trade route. And I think just opening up that conversation is huge. I came from a high school that it was uh, academics were top. 98% of people that graduated there went on to four-year degrees. Construction wasn't really in the vocabulary. And I think it was a career of like last resort once you've like failed and you can't make it in these academically, oh, maybe here's construction or, you know, so, which is not the case. And I feel like that's how it's perceived a little bit. So just changing that narrative that, that we're very highly skilled workers and they're dedicated individuals and not everyone can do it. So I think that's important to stress in the schools, but even like taking it one step further, if the, those parents don't understand and they're not educated on the industry, they're not going to say, yeah, go do construction, right? You know, that's not going to be their top choice. So just educating the parents, I think, is huge as well to let them know that what the career options are, the opportunities and advancements that are in the industry. It's just such a cool career path. And I just love i am passionate about talking about it because not a lot of people show off their industry and like what they're doing that's important to uh, get into the middle schools and high schoolers and also talk to their parents and the counselors.
1: When people think about, oh, I'm going into the trade of construction, it's like, there's a name of a connotation, but the reality is that there's so much sophistication in the work that y'all are doing. So you're a Keller, right? So when a Keller rig shows up and you're talking about what it takes to get this element into, you know, a hundred feet into the ground, it's like, that's no small feat, right? <laughs> no, Yeah. I didn't even think about that from the parent side. There's a lot of education and re-education has to happen the parent side. So if your child does say they want to go into construction, it's not like, oh, no, right? It's like you don't have to have a briefcase. You don't have to have a suit to go to work. I mean, all the infrastructure we're talking about that we depend on, it needs to be done by skilled labor. It needs to be done by specialty contractors. So this is something that should be celebrated and not frowned upon.
2: Let's celebrate it. And they're high-paying roles, right? Like that was the biggest surprise to me too. Is I'm like they're high-paying roles, right? It's critical, and we're after the pandemic, right? We're essential workers. Like we can't live without construction workers. It's like a dying breed. I think it. I saw a statistic. It's uh, for every four boomers that retire, only one's coming into the industry, or you know. So that's huge that that's something that the economy is going to need in order to be progressive right and part of that is you know targeting the 50% of population of women right so we're only 10% of the industry less if we even like if we take out all the administration and the office roles there's so much potential if we could tap into the the women and, and get them involved and let them know that this is a viable career path for them it's important
1: it's a great opportunity there for opening the eyes. And I know that when I've come to speak to like the middle school age, when I've come to speak to middle schools, it's like, you know, you can put the PowerPoint up, you can show some pictures. But when you bring an art hat, boots, and vest, sometimes, or a rock core, it's like, they're swooned, right? It's like, all right, what did they do? I want to do what they're doing, right? <laughs> right. It's very tangible. We handed on some of this, but what are some of the key challenges that the women still face in the construction industry today? And how can we work together? to overcome some of these challenges?
2: There's always challenges, and I think it's for men and women, right? Safety is always a, a big thing because it's a dangerous place that we work in. It ranks highest by total of number of fatalities for work injuries. So, you know, your company as a group of female workers, make sure that they have the right PPE, the safety equipment, developing the more effective approach to solving safety issues. There's that component of safety and those challenges faced there. But I think another huge part is child care or uh, being a caregiver, right? So it's not just being a mother in construction. It's sometimes you're taking care of your parents, right? Your elderly or sick parents. So it's just supporting the caretakers that you uh, employees. are. Uh, I think that's huge. And so that's an important thing. But also, you know, stomping out those stereotypes that I've talked about, changing that narrative. Anybody that I work with. I want them to be able to say, yes, I want my kids to pursue this career, right? If someone goes, oh God, I don't, I wouldn't want my daughter doing that job. Like, man, it's like eye opening. It's like, why not? Why can't we make a work environment that is conducive to everyone? Right? So that's the point right there. We need to make uh, a work environment that everyone is excited to go to work and, um, contribute. So
1: we talk about the construction culture and how to improve it is a shared goal for many. I mean, I, I know a lot of folks, when they responded to an RFP, they're talking about their metrics for safety, right? Like a lot of times, you know, days without an injury, like this is something we're all trying to improve the industry. But in your opinion, what are some of the steps that organizations and individuals can take to create a more inclusive and supportive work environment for everyone in the industry?
2: Yeah, and I think I kind of hit on this a little bit too in the last question, but I think it all starts with the first impression for your culture of your company. Like what's important to you, where are your core values is. Is it safety is it integrity. Do you offer that training back continuous learning? How are you supporting your employees? Right. And who are those mentors and those leaders? Are they being supported? Do, are they given the proper training and the tools to help the team succeed? So flexibility, I still go back to it. It's huge, right?
1: I was, um, I'm trying to think of what organization it might have been. It was Women in Deep Foundations, the Deep Foundations Institute. They had a summit on mental health and were talking about suicide prevention in construction. Not something we talk about a lot, but um, I'm finding that there are a lot of conversations that are happening to kind of change this narrative of what happens and, and not just a narrative, change the trends that are happening in construction. So thank you for being a part of what, what you're doing. And before we take our break, when you look ahead, what are some of your personal and professional goals? Uh, as it relates to a geotechnical construction field and how do you plan to continue to make a difference in the industry and also within NAWIC?
2: My goal is just consistency right now is just, uh, you know, creating outreach, helping support and mentor individuals coming up in the industry, foster that culture of inclusivity, help them and advance them in their leadership roles, and just creating that awareness for uh, the construction industry.
1: We're going to come back in just a minute and close this one out with Christina in our Career Factor Safety In segment. Stick around.
0: Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back. It's
1: time for our career factor safety in segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your career? Today, of course, we're here speaking with Christina McDonald of Keller. Now, Christina, you've had a very successful career. When you look back on your career, what's something that you've implemented in your career to give yourself, let's call it a factor of safety in your career?
2: I'd say i bring my true authentic self. You know, I never tried to fit in, especially being a woman. It was always myself, right? And with that, I also found a mentor, right? In the industry or whoever I was working with, someone who, core group of individuals that can support your growth, that push me, mentor me, challenge me, um, include me in on conferences or networking events. Just so sure you surround yourself with people who are smart, respectful leaders, so you can communicate your goals get where you want to and be coached. So getting a strong mentor and also being a good mentor, I think was a, a factor of safety that I've kept in my career to help get me ahead.
1: You shared some really good insights with us and we gained some great information. It's going to be helpful for those who are listening. How can people reach you? Do you have an email you want to share? Are you on social media? We can get that in the show notes.
2: I am on LinkedIn. We have Instagram. We have Akron Nawick on Instagram um, and Facebook and all the social media platforms. And it's Christina.McDonald at Keller North com.
1: Thank you so much for coming on. This is awesome.
2: Absolutely. Thanks.
1: I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 87, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in
0: all of your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? how long should you allow employees to work remotely, and how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.